Welcome to the Change Management Reviews Podcast, where we bring the best of change management to you. Are you mad? Making a difference. On this episode, Editor-in-Chief Teresa Moulton talks with researcher and author Rune Kodnam Bai about the difference between change readiness and change resistance. I'm sure you'll enjoy today's madness. Welcome to the Change Management Review's Meet the Expert podcast. Today we are speaking with Rune Todnam Bai about the difference between change readiness and change resistance. Here's a little bit about Rune. He says, I am a great believer in making a difference. In fact, I believe that leadership is all about being mad, making a difference. This is my focus and mantra when teaching undergraduate and postgraduate students, as well as when delivering sessions to developing middle, senior, and executive managers. The opportunity to make a difference at an international level is what fuels my work as a researcher and author of academic articles, as editor-in-chief of the Journal of Change Management, co-author of one of the main textbooks on change management, Managing Change in Organizations, and as co-editor of several books with a focus on leadership, change, and the individual. We can all exercise leadership and play an active role in fulfilling both individual and organizational ambitions and potential. In fact, we all have a responsibility to do just that. Before joining Staffordshire University Business School, I was very fortunate to work at the University of Wolverhampton and Queen Margaret University, Edinburgh, in roles ranging from research assistant to acting academic director of business management. In 2009, I had the great privilege to participate in the inaugural Scottish Crucible, an academic leadership development program sponsored by NESTA, the Scottish Funding Foundation, the Royal Society of Edinburgh, and prestigious Scottish universities. Previous to joining academia, I worked in the Norwegian Army, first as a corporal in His Majesty the King's Royal Guard, and later as a NATO paramedic in Bosnia and Herzegovina. And without further ado, welcome Rune. Hi, thanks for such a great introduction, Theresa. Oh, you're welcome. And you've got such a, um, a diverse background of things to you know, provide you with perspective on, on organizational change. Very happy to have you. Um, okay. You're welcome. One of the things that you and I had talked about in preparing for this podcast was, you know, what are you, we talked about what are you really seeing happening in some of the research and in some of your practice work um, in organizational change management. And we had identified the, conversation where we tee up, you know, what are some of the differences between change readiness and change resistance, and how is that playing out in the work that's happening today? And I'm wondering if you could tell us how this topic came to mind for you and why you think it is an important one to cover. Uh, it came to mind because it seems to be a reoccurring issue. There's a growing interest in organizational change, its management and leadership. Uh, but we seem to be stuck around certain topics, and one of those topics being uh, resistance. It seems to be something we're referring to uh, when we talk about others. You know, it's never it's never uh, you or me resisting change. It's always something someone else is doing. Mm-hmm. It's always referred to as, as something negative, uh, and we seem to just be in a position of, of being stuck, so not moving forward. Uh, and I just think there are 
different ways of addressing the different challenges that I think we are uh, wanting to look at and to solve, but we're not going to solve them uh, by sticking to the terminology of, of resistance. Uh, so there is an alternative terminology. There is, uh, uh, there is a, a different set of, of, of research that gives us this alternative, uh, and that is that of uh, change readiness. Uh, so you have authors such as Arminakis and Harris and, and, and others. So in the same way as you have literature that are moving from psychology to positive psychology, so moving away from something, you know, when someone really needs help to something to be more proactive, we can look at readiness as something more proactive and positive and something that we have a shared responsibility for. So that's really where my interests come from. I feel it's, it's a really, really important uh, uh, issue in, in organizational change. Uh, we are spending, both as practitioners and, and researchers, uh, an enormous amount of time discussing it, uh, but I just find us to be stuck. Interesting. And when you talk about change readiness, um, you, I'm assuming you mean it conceptually and practically around the whole organization from an individual up through the entire entity. So it's a mindset shift that we're talking about? Yeah, well, it's, it's the same as if you look at literature uh, on, on uh, change resistance, yes. you can look at individual resistance, group resistance, uh, and organizational resistance, you know, just as a, a, a culture of resistance mm -hmm. or processes and structures of resistance. And it's, and it's the same within the literature on, on readiness, although you, you start with a focus uh, on the individual, but then how, does that, uh, how is that reflected within the culture? So it is very much a mindset mm -hmm. uh, that is then coming to light through how we, how we think and act, uh, how we organize ourselves, how, how, we, how we tend to have uh, conversations, how we ask questions. Uh, so in a way, it's, uh, um, it's looking at the same challenges uh, as uh, organizational resistance literature, but the starting point is, is one uh, of being positive and one of uh, a shared responsibility, rather than when it comes to change resistance, which I think is based on a lot of assumptions that it's, it's, it's others causing resistance, uh, where the starting point is negative, uh, and something almost that is perceived as an uphill struggle. Mm. But the way I like to put it is, uh, whilst perhaps change resistance is looking at um, how to, or, or rather how we refer to, to, to change resistance, is, it leads us to focus how to demolish mm. change resistance. When, when you look at change readiness, it could be more about how do we build change readiness, and that is a proactive task that we do together. Uh, so building something is, is often perceived as more positive than demolishing something. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And you know, what what are some examples that you could give in terms of? Um, a practice perhaps that looks differently when it's viewed from change resistance and change readiness perspectives? Yeah, so for example, if, if, if you're looking at um, a practical situation where, you know, something has to be done for whatever reason, um, it could be a good idea to set out to perhaps try to measure change readiness. And it isn't an exact science. Uh, but there are tools uh, around, there are kind of questionnaires around, and of mm -hmm. course these are very often subjective. So I could, I could complete the same questionnaire as you, and, and the findings 
will, will be different. But this is seen as more of an upfront investment. So before we start this you know, change initiative X, let's try to figure out where we are as an organization, where we are as a team within the organization, and where I am as an individual within the team, within the organization. So in fact, am I ready for this? Are we ready for this particular initiative? So that's an upfront investment where we explore where we are. Uh, with regards to change resistance, it's something we assume will happen, uh, and we, we don't necessarily plan for it until we feel it's happening. And then we try to manage what we perceive as resistance. But resistance is, of course, also something very subjective. Someone that you perceive to resist you or resist the change initiative, uh, in fact, has to just have a different point of view. Does that mean that they resist? No, but if I label them as, or I label what they do as resistance, we, we are kind of uh, in conflict and at loggerheads. So we're not working together through a process to, to achieve uh, a successful change. So to answer your question, I think a, a practical or a practical difference between change resistance and change readiness approaches is that when we look at change readiness, is something uh, that we try to to invest in and investigate before we launch change. Uh, resistance is something we assume will happen. Because we assume it will happen, it does often happen, and then we try to manage it. Yeah, that that is really well put. And what you know resonated for me as you were speaking was, you know, how different change methodologies and readiness, but you know, maybe they're not quite as comprehensive in actually how they're managing the change forward, depending on which perspective they're they're looking at here. Exactly. So, so on one side, it could be different methods and ways of measuring, and then we'll we'll like to measure things these days in 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 our organization. So, what can be measured becomes important, and what perhaps is important but difficult to measure becomes less important. But I think you're right. I think it has to do with mindset. So rather than perhaps typically start with a mindset of, of uh, there is going to be resistance and I will have my way of managing that, uh, instead we can think about, well, where are we with regards to readiness levels? Uh, it also links to, to the perception of our own roles because no matter what book on organizational change you pick up, they will be mentioning about change resistance, change agents, or more mm -hmm. important, agency, agency being the activity. Mm -hmm. And we seem to, to have a starting point where managers and formal leaders are the change agents and, and everyone else that we like to refer to as employees, uh, they, they resist change. Well, first, uh, most managers and formal leaders that I know are also employees. <laughs> just delivering, you know, they have they have been hired and they can be fired. As a per definition, they are employees. Most of them don't own their own organization. But uh, so, so, so that's the wrong starting point. Mm -hmm. We're all employees. We should all pull in the same direction. We just have to play different roles. Uh, having said that, at one and the same time, initiative, I can support a second change initiative, and I can resist. Actively or passively, different ways of resisting, mm -hmm. but I can resist a third change initiative. What does that make me? An agent of change or a resister of change? It makes me a human being. So, so the, the point I'm trying to get across is that we, we need to be very careful how we kind of 
bucks people in and saying, mm-hmm. well, I'm a change agent because I'm a manager or because I'm a former leader, and you, you're not, so you're resisting change. Well, if I am a, a senior manager, and if I normally receive a good bonus, and lo and behold, there is, there is a change around the corner that will have a negative impact on my bonus, well, I'm not necessarily going to be happy about that change, so I might be likely to resist that change. Mm-hmm. So we need, again, this, we need to stop the mindset of us and them. We need to stop the mindset that managers and former leaders have a monopoly on change agency and change support. Mm-hmm. And we need to stop thinking that those that are not managers are all a pain in the backside all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that really makes a lot of sense because um, when we start talking about uh, – there was one expert that would call uh, the employees the change targets – and, you know, that isn't necessarily a positive um, name for, for people either. And as you were speaking more and more, I was thinking, you know what, one can actually be ready for change and still resist it. Yeah, of course. You can be ready for change and you can resist it. But again, when you say resist it, then what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we could say, well... Uh, you resist it because, based on your experience, you think there's a better alternative. Mm-hmm. So does that make your resistance negative? No. Perhaps what you're saying is, so I hear what you're saying, Rune, uh, and I believe that we need to, to do something about the situation. We can't, we can't just stick to status quo. So change is necessary. However, I think there's an alternative to, to what you just proposed. So my option is then is, okay, do, do I engage in a conversation with you where I want to kind of listen to you and harvest your experience, or do I tick you off in my mind as a change resistor because you, you dare to oppose me? Mm-hmm. And within there, we, we, have, we have a great difference when it comes to mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can see how that mindset will definitely impact a change, uh, change management strategy or a design for an organization. Uh, you know, right even before it goes to implementation planning. I mean, just this mindset of how you would converse with senior executives about about the transformation change. Um, really, you, ha- you need to know what side of the page you're on regarding the change readiness and the change resistance because it can set the tone for the entire set of work that you're going to do. Exactly. So when you look at some of the change readiness literatures, you have Arminakis and Harris, that they use a very plain language when it comes to the, what, what they refer to as the change message. Mm-hmm. So when you're going to communicate uh, a change, there are certain questions you need to answer, just such as, is this change required? Mm-hmm. Is this the right option? Uh, what is in it for me? Because mm-hmm. we're human beings, so we will ask that question. Does it have political support? So are the leaders uh, you know, walking the talk? Are they leading by example? Um, uh, p- part of my job is to deliver... Uh, uh, a module on change leadership on an executive MBA in Norway. Mm. Uh, it's very much kind of practice-based. We, we have discussions. We, we kind of deliver and, 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 uh, and create tools, if you like. And, and a couple of years back, one of the candidates came back to me and said, Rune, you know that change readiness uh, tool you, you, you gave us? I, I used that, but I learned something. I focused 
too much downwards to the people reporting to me. Mm. And when things didn't work, I found out it was because I haven't communicate, communicated upwards. So basically, I didn't have the full backing of the people who have asked me to complete the task. Mm. So again, it, it just paints this picture that it isn't us and them. It is all of us working together. So I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a denim buff. And I think most of us have uh, at one point in time had a pair of Levi's. And of course, the famous logo of Levi's back on the, on, on the leather patch is this pair of jeans uh, being uh, pulled at from two different directions by two horses, just to show how incredible strong this <laughs> pair of jeans is. But imagine that this pair of jeans is our organization. And these mm. two horses, or we might have more than two horses, are different interest groups or different departments. Yeah, mm-hmm. this pair of jeans is only going to hold up for so long. You can only pull in different directions for so long before the pair of jeans or before the organization will, will start to rip and fall apart. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see in, in, when, when we're talking about change uh, and change resistance, that we, as a starting point, we, we talk about us and them. And we talk about the people delivering uh, change and those receiving change. And that is a very negative starting point in, in its own right. It needs to be us together having the difficult conversations, perhaps having a little bit of constructive and positive conflict. And then at the end of the day, we make a decision and we can't all make, you know, we can't all get it our way. But once the decision has been made, we pull in that one direction together. But that won't happen if we keep referring to others as resistors just because they don't happen to be in a senior position. Right. So this whole labeling of others as resistors in a, in a framework that isn't set up to bring everyone together to really become ready as an organization isn't really where you're going to find a lot of success. That's, that's really what I'm taking away from this. Exactly. And, and, and we have a lot of literature that suggests that you know, we have up to 70% or more mm-hmm. of, of change failure. Of course, you have a very good article by, by a colleague of mine, Mark Hughes, that kind of investigated this, mm-hmm. this percentage, and there isn't necessarily a lot of evidence for it. But what we seem to agree anyway is that a lot of change initiatives fail. And then there seems to be a, a, a position where, where uh, management uh, can kind of say, well, we did everything right. It, it was the others. But then you would argue that it's management's job and the former leadership job to make sure that others can deliver on the job that they are asked to deliver mm-hmm. on. So, you know, you wouldn't ask someone to climb Mount Everest before they are ready to climb Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't expect the baby to, to run 100 meters before they have actually learned how to crawl and walk. So, so it's this kind of... We have a situation these days where, like I said, uh, we do like things being measured, we are being promoted on, on initiatives, uh, very often leading to situations of change fatigue. So, you know, people are not necessarily against change per se, but they are tired. You know, mm-hmm. once you have finished, once you've finished running uh, one marathon, if, if, if someone tells you to just, you know, go straight into marathon number two and you say, hang on a minute, I need a little break. I need to recuperate here. And then they say, no, come on. You need, you need to run this marathon, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. If you say no, that means that you're resisting or it means that you're not capable. And you say, well, hang on a minute. I just finished this New York marathon. Mm-hmm. I proved myself. But I do need a, a respite. I do need to, 
to, to get my, my strength back before I do the next thing. Mm-hmm. So my whole interest in this change resistance versus change readiness is that we are almost setting ourselves up to fail, but we have an excuse why we failed. And it wasn't our fault. It was resistance somewhere else. Mm. If we know there is resistance, then perhaps we should try to build change readiness, build the change readiness required to be successful in the task ahead of us. Yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense because in your example with the marathon, just because somebody's tired, saturated, exhausted doesn't mean that they're resisting. It means that they're not ready to run the next marathon. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So as um, change management experts, you know, what can we do when we're starting off working with a client or within an organization? What are some of the first things that we can do to start shaping that mindset of change readiness as, as we're forming the initiative? I think I think the different things we can do. I think we need to acknowledge that there is no monopoly on 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 change agency. Change agency is something positive can come mm. from any level in an organization. There is no management or leadership monopoly on it. We need to acknowledge that we're all human beings, so we can all uh, initiate change, support change, and resist change, uh, and that includes uh, senior management and leadership uh, teams. We can have. Uh, uh, an attitude or mindset uh, of a shared responsibility of, of, say, increasing and retaining change readiness and putting the focus and emphasis and investment of time in at that stage rather than just preempting that uh, there will be resistance, but, but I'm going to hit down hard if and when that happens. Mm. Because then already you've entered a negative uh, a negative uh, conversation. Right. Um, so, so there's, there's a whole kind of there's a whole heap of things that that we can do. And at the same time, I think when when we talk about change, we need we need to uh, we need to acknowledge that it's very rare these days that people are just involved in one change initiative. You know, change very often is is ongoing, continuous, mm-hmm. and and there's a whole range of initiatives happening at the very same time. Very often we don't, we're not aware of all the different initiatives pulling in different directions. So how good are we at mapping out all the change initiatives happening to look at the, you know, the, the different interest conflicts and so on? And how good are we at acknowledging levels of change readiness? Just having this conversation, yeah, we know we need to do this. Status quo is not an alternative. Mm. Of course, we want to be successful, but perhaps by investing in building uh, and increasing our change readiness, we will have a greater chance of being successful than just jumping in both feet at the same time at this early stage. Makes a lot of sense, Rune. It really does. And it's something that is um, a subtle, it's a subtle shift in mindset with a big outcome or potential for a positive impact and it's something that I think some of us really do take for granted because we look at change readiness as a thing and change resistance as a state that a person's in versus you know what we what can we really do to start these start these change initiatives off on the same foot and what can we really do to put ourselves in everybody who's an employee in the change put them put ourselves in their shoes and say you know, what's going on here? How do we all want to move forward? Exactly. 
and, and it's not it's not about total democracy, and it's not about everyone having to agree about everything. But it is that that change of mindset that actually we might work in different roles in different departments, mm-hmm. but we happen to work in the same organization. And and if if I lose in a way, you will also lose. But at the moment, there's too much space for internal competition where you where you still have winners and losers and you have mm-hmm. ongoing power battles which is not healthy for the for the holistic view and future of the of any organization mm-hmm. so one of the things we are trying to do and I'm, trying, I'm currently exploring with my editorial board uh, for a journal of, of change management because I still receive we still receive a lot of academic and practitioner submissions that are talking about us and them. Mm. They're talking about leaders are the only ones providing leadership. We're talking about uh, resistance. Um, So I'm trying at the moment, working with my editorial board, to be more explicit in our editorial scope and aim, saying we would like to move forward uh, as a journal where we're looking at how we can share responsibilities, where leadership as an activity in a process is more important than formal leaders. So process and activity is more important than, than, than titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we also want to talk more about us rather than us and them. And we also, the third thing, we also want to focus more on change readiness rather than change resistance because literature and organizational change isn't new. You know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't necessarily go back to the dinosaurs, but it's certainly <laughs> Uh, died in 47 and, you know, things were still published in his names in the early 50s. Right. Uh, but but you could argue that things haven't necessarily changed a lot. But, you know, 1940s, 50s is a long time ago. And, and I believe that we should have made bigger leaps forward than what we have. And I do believe, without having evidence for it, but I do believe that if we can move forward in a more proactive manner where we share the responsibilities, where we do acknowledge, yes, we might be different people with different roles and responsibilities, but at the end of the day, if we can't work together, if we keep you know, pointing fingers and keep blaming people for failures, we will all, and our organizations, will fail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Then the 70% number really doesn't matter. No, no. To me, the only important thing with the 70% is that we seem to have a shared understanding that a lot of change initiatives fail, uh, but perhaps we shouldn't be surprised. Perhaps we should be surprised that that uh, that any of the change initiatives are actually successful. You right. Know? If you ask someone to just finish a London marathon to then run you know, the next London or whatever it is, and they survive that, you should be surprised that they, that they did manage that. You shouldn't be surprised if they didn't manage the second marathon in a row. Interesting perspective. Yeah, and that's what we all need to own as we start to look at how people react to change and um, are becoming ready in our organizations. Exactly. I think I think that's where the focus should be. I don't think anyone should be allowed, if that's me or anyone else, to say, well, we failed because of the others. You know, I, I planned it well, I made the right decisions, but these other people... Uh, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Then, if, if I'm the if I'm the senior manager or the former leaders, then it should be part of my responsibility to make sure that people are ready for what I or we want them to do. In fact, we shouldn't ask someone to do something if we don't think they are ready. Right, right, and that comes down to the values, doesn't it? Well, it comes it comes down to a range of things. It, it could be it could be values. I I, I think there's. Uh, 
that there is a, a bigger value discussion to be had, you mm-hmm. know, uh, which is which is a different podcast, I think. But mm-hmm. you know, what 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 why do organizations exist? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I am engaged in some work at the moment where we're looking at uh, internal and external goods. Mm. So you know. Are, are you only working for yourself, your own, your own title, your own salary, your own bonus, or are you actually working for, for, for a greater good? And of course, you do have literature suggesting that even you know, the successful private sector companies are companies that have been successful in identifying a greater good. And you then have a situation where you have a link between individual value and, and company value. So people are willing to go uh, over and above to deliver on, on what uh, the company wants to deliver. That's interesting, and and it's it's again aligned a mindset that's aligned with uh, the conversation on change readiness, right? The in, instead of the us versus them, it's the how do we all do this, and are we winning? Everybody is everybody winning? Um, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think aligning values. Uh, and having perhaps a little bit more room for ethical conversations, you know, mm-hmm. what are we here to do, what is right, what is wrong. Uh, but, but aligning values, it clearly will have an impact on, on the levels of change readiness. Mm-hmm. Because you will, you will do what you think is right, not necessarily because you've been told to do it, uh, but because, yeah, I am in this job. You know, I am a teacher because I believe in helping, you know, social mobility or I, help, uh, I, I really believe in, in helping people... Uh, achieve their full potential. It isn't just necessarily about salary or holidays or pensions or whatever, but you have these different levels of motivation that can drive people to do their utmost for their organization and for the purpose of the organization. That's great. And Rune, we're almost out of time, so I wanted to ask you, you know, from everything we've discussed so far today on this podcast, what is the one thing that our audience should take away from this discussion in your opinion? I think the one one thing uh, to to take away uh, is, is is focus on on change readiness rather than change resistance. And and one thing that we haven't necessarily mentioned yet that is crucial, I believe, for for higher levels of change readiness is to have a clearly defined organizational purpose. Mm. Have a purpose statement, and that is not the same as a vision or mission statement. It's, it's something at, at a higher level. If you like. It's something that can't just be changed because there's a new CEO coming in. It's something that is really uh, in the foundation, in, in the fabric of the organization. Because you can ask people to walk through a dark tunnel uh, and continue to walk and walk through that dark tunnel, but if they don't know where the light is or what the light might look like, it's, they're going to give up at some point. So I think uh, one important factor in increasing and retaining levels of high levels of, of change readiness is to, to identify uh, and create, if you like, uh, a purpose and a purpose statement. Very good. Very good. Well, I thank you so much for your time this afternoon um, and sharing all of your thoughts and learnings with the Change Management Review audience. I hope you'll come back soon. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. You just let me know. Okay. I'll be back. That's great. Okay. Take care. You too. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, listening to Teresa Moulton of Change Management Review and Rune Todd Nambai, researcher and author, about the difference between change readiness and change resistance. 
be sure to check out our website at changemanagementreview.com. We also invite you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and join us on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.